Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Well, hey, if you're brand new today to Oceans Church, we love Jesus. We love the Bible. We're not crazy. Can I get an amen? And uh, if you're brand new today, we're going to open up the Bible. We do this every week. And the reason why this church has grown is we do have some amazing musicians, but it's not the music. We have, I, I think we have some decent messages. Come on. <laughs> but I don't think it's the preaching. I think that what uh, has caused this place to grow is a couple of things. I think it's the presence of God, number one. People have come here and they go, man, I've been to church my whole life and I've never, I've never wept, never, never felt God when I walked into this tent. You know, we, even from the very beginning of our church at Union Markets where we started our interest gatherings when it was me and four disgruntled church members that I live with. And, um, it's my family. Um, we'll keep going. Uh, but even from the very beginning, it was the presence of God. And not only was it his presence, when God shows up, things happen and miracles do happen every week. I'm telling you, uh, if you haven't, you haven't done our growth tracks yet, do that this week. We're going to do our largest growth tracks we probably ever have done our, uh, at our wave night this Wednesday. It'll be here. So plan on coming to wave night this coming Wednesday. And basically what you'll learn is, is when you're on Slack, which is our internal communications as a church, it's like 600 people, families that are on Slack. Every week there's miracles that people are saying. My eyes got healed, my heart, my body, my ankle, my marriage, my kid came back to the Lord, my neighbor got set free from drug addiction. So every week these miracles are happening, and that's why people keep showing up. They're like, man, music's good, this preacher's all right, but this is the presence of God. And so uh, today we're going to open up our Bibles. We're going to invite God to come in. And if you're ready to go, come on, say amen. Amen. We're going to open up our Bibles today. We're in a series on revival. God told us before we started this new campus, he said, Mark, the week before, I want you to start a brand new series on revival because that's what's going to happen. I I believe that we are in the beginning. We are in the shallow end of a a deep revival coming. And uh, if, if, uh, if you, come on, if you believe that, say amen. So you got your Bible today? Why don't you do me a favor? If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Acts chapter 28. And uh, once you get to Acts chapter 28, you can put another finger in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read 14 verses today out of the two. I'm going to pray. After I pray, uh, I'm going to ask God just to kind of to meet with us today. And um, then I'm going to tell a couple stories. I I try to incorporate a little bit of humor. Uh, I know some people don't like pastors that have sense of humors, but uh, I just think that God has a good sense of humor. If you can laugh at your enemies, you got a good sense of humor. The Bible says that the Lord laughs at his enemies. And so I'll tell a couple stories, maybe some jokes, but I do want to bring us in. My, my heart today, as I was praying for you guys all week, is I, I want to talk to you today. Last week we spoke about how revival is when God causes us to get up. When a desire for God rises up inside of us. When an appetite to pray rises up inside of us. When an appetite to turn from our old ways rises up inside of us, there's all these things. When God starts to transform the interiors of our hearts, we begin to get up. But I also believe that revival isn't just getting up. I believe it's standing up. And today I want to talk to you about the power of standing up. Is that all right? Say with me, stand up. I believe that sometimes in life you don't have to be profound. You have to just keep standing. I think, you know, Brian Houston's a hero of mine. He said, you know, sometimes it, that more, more important than brilliance is just consistently standing. And I'm going to be a church. We're going to be a house that continues to stand. We were standing for God to awaken Orange County once again. 
We're standing for God to move once again in our land. Listen to me. If God can do what he's done in the past, he can do it again in our day. And we're going to stand. That's why I'm so proud of everyone that's in these tents. So many people have left because they got tired of standing. But I do believe that God has brought in some fresh troops. I believe he's recharged some old troops. And we're going to see God move in California once again because someone, someone's going to stand. So if you got your Bible today, I'm going to talk to you on the idea of revival. That revival isn't just getting up, it's standing up. You got your Bibles today, Acts chapter 28. Uh, familiar passage. It's one of my favorite stories. I love this passage. It's so powerful. Uh, it's about a guy named Paul who was a former terrorist. It was written by a doctor. He was a physician by the name of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke. So make sure you're with me today. In the book of Luke, Luke talks about basically how Christianity would spread from the corner of Galilee and end up smack dab in the middle of Jerusalem. But then he would write his second book, maybe his most prolific book, which is the book of Acts. And he would tell basically how the book of Acts would start in the corner of Palestine in Jerusalem, and it would spread all the way in Acts chapter 28 in Rome before Caesar. A bunch of nobodies in an upper room in Jerusalem, and a few years later, in front of Caesar, the most powerful man on the earth, Paul would stand. And before this great revival that would shake a, 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 shake a nation, shake a world, they actually accused the early church of being those men who turned the world upside down. I come against anybody that thinks Christianity is supposed to be this siloed, outskirts, backwoods, keep it to yourself, the separation of church and stay, and just keep that little private faith to yourself. The Bible I read says they turn the world upside down. Christianity turns the world upside down. Ancient scholars called Christianity the moral antiseptic of civilizations. The darker the nation, when Jesus came into it, the brighter it got. You can't stay in the darkness when you welcome in his light. Today, I'm sorry, I'm settling down, I'm just beginning the message. Just feel something today that we got to remind ourselves that we serve a God that revives. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is on a ship. He's, uh, he's just getting off of a ship, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't a soft landing. The ship actually blew apart. They thought they were going to die in the storm. It was this crazy Euroclidon. It was, come on, White Squall, for those who remember that movie. It just came back to me. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> this crazy storm. And uh, they thought they were going to die in the storm. They get out the storm. They grab a hold of parts of the ship. Actually, in the storm, they lighten their load. If I could preach before I preach, I would say, if you're in a storm, learn how to lighten the load. And after they lighten the load, it says the ship blew apart, and they they made it to shore by grabbing a hold of the ship. I believe that we still make it to shore today, the shores that God wants us to end up on, by grabbing a hold of ship when you're going through it. What do you mean? Worship, fellowship, companionship, discipleship. There's still ships today that after a storm help you get to the land. And I preach that another day, but I just want to say, we, we, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 28, and the story is, is that essentially Paul gets to the land, he survives the storm, and we pick up reading here, there's 276 people from that boat that survived the storm. And in Acts chapter 28, verse 1, we read, uh, it says, Now when they had escaped the storm, they found out that the island was called Malta. What's the name of it? It's called Malta. It actually means refuge. So they end up in a refuge. And when they got there, the natives showed us unusual, say it with me, kindness. 
these people weren't just nice, they were unusually nice. You ever moved into a new neighborhood and you had an unusually nice neighbor? And you're like, what do these people want from me? <laughs> just kind of took you off guard. These people are unusually kind. And they actually were so kind that they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain. So they got out of the storm and it was rainy. Rain was falling on us because it was cold. It was rainy and it was cold. Say it with me. Rainy and it was cold. But Paul, he actually gathered, he didn't gather one stick. He gathered a bundle of sticks. He wasn't just trying to get a little bit of fire. He was trying to build a big fire. And he laid those bundles on the fire and a viper came out. Uh, because of the heat. Why did the viper come out? It was because of the, I've learned that when you start getting close to God and get close to his fire and the fire of God fills your heart, it's amazing how the vipers of your past, the heat caused the viper to come out, fastened to his hand. That's a heck of a bite. It's bad enough to get bit by a snake, but when it's, come on, dangling. Come on, can we all agree that's a serious bite? That's like a story you could tell a buddy right there. I didn't just get bit. It was dangling. Fastened to his hand. And it says, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they were watching him. They said to one another, no doubt. Say with me, no doubt. No doubt. This man is a murderer. Whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice, come on, karma, whatever, which isn't in the Bible, but that's their idea here. This, is, this guy got what he deserved. Justice has not allowed this man to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire. He shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Say with me, no harm. However, they were expecting. Who was expecting? The crowd. They were expecting, as they watched him, they were expecting him that he would swell up and fall down dead. That's a fun audience. <laughs> When's this guy going to die? When's this guy? He's just supposed to be getting fat right now and swelling up, balloon. And they're just watching him. When's this guy going to follow? When's this thing going to stop? And he looked at him, and he, uh, this crowd kept looking, but he just kept standing there. And uh, after they had looked for a long time, they're like, this isn't. This is crazy. <laughs> they changed their minds. They saw no harm come to him, so they, say with me, changed their minds. I've learned that's why it's so dangerous to live for the opinion of crowds. Because crowds can change their minds fast. 2020's taught us anything is the power of a crowd that changes their mind. And they changed their minds and saw that he was a god. That's a pretty big paradigm shift. This guy was a murderer about 35 minutes ago. Now he must be related to God. And uh, they changed their mind. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. Publius. It's like saying Francisco. It's fun to say Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Three days. They were hanging out for three days. They were eating, laughing. Come on, playing some pickleball, maybe, maybe not, for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and with dysentery. But Paul went to him 
and he prayed. He went to him, and he prayed, and he laid his hands on this man's father, and he healed him. He healed him. Say with me, miracles. So when that was done, the whole island that had diseases, they're like, whoa, let's go to that guy. And the whole island went, and the whole island was healed. They also honored us in many ways as we departed, and they provided such things as were necessary. Real quick, Ephesians chapter 6, it says this in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, be strong. Say it with me, what? Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. You may be able to what? Come on, Ocean's Church, be able to what? Come on, I want you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might that you might be able with the whole armor of God to be able to stand. Stand against what? The wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness of this age, a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And in the evil day, having done all to stand therefore. Having girded up your mind, come on, with truth, your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having put on the, the, the preparation, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always and praying all supplication, all prayers. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance, with all supplication for all the saints. Pray for me that I might be bold that I might make known the mystery of the gospel as I should. For I'm an ambassador in chains to Orange County. Come on. This, pray that I would speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want to pray today and we'll invite God to have his way. And if you're taking notes down, I want you to write this title down, Revival. Come on, stand up. I pray today, Lord, that you would have your way at Ocean's Church. New chapter, new season, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. We dedicate this morning to you. And God, we, we, we don't worship America. We worship you, but we thank you for America. So I pray that you would bless, Lord, this nation, bless Orange County, and we just thank you today that you would just be our guest of honor. Thank you for a nice breeze to flow through here today. In Jesus' name, God's people said, come on. Come on, God's people said. I uh, stand up. I, I was shocked about uh, just how uh, technology has obviously changed the world. We know this. Uh, I'm shocked. When I was growing up, I've shared this before, but my mom and um, my dad, we didn't have, we, we didn't have like, like uh, Apple TV back then. We didn't have 500 different shows on demand. You couldn't pause television. Back in the day when there was a commercial, you had 30 seconds to do whatever you needed to do. People would sprint. People would run. And then if there was a show on another channel, you had to hurry up and rush to the other channel, and I remember, I remember a time period pre-remote controls. I'm not saying they didn't exist. I'm just saying we couldn't afford one. I remember my, my grandma would tap me on the back of the head. She'd say, Channel 4. I was the remote control. Can I get an amen? I, I remember you didn't want to get up. I don't like, when you get down, you get comfortable on the couch. Can I get a witness in the church? You don't want to get up. Something about just being, you're in your, come on, you're in your spot, you're, you're relaxed, you're, you're comfortable. And all of a sudden, you got to get up. There's very few things that get me motivated to get up off the couch. Yeah. One of them is finding the remote control. Yeah. Can we agree that remote control has a mind of its own? Yeah. If you have kids, you know the struggle of this thing. That remote control will be gone for days. Yeah. 
Where to, I'll just order a new one. We have five remote controls in our house. I'm shocked, though, that we are so lazy as a generation that we will spend 45 minutes looking for a remote control rather than just doing it manually. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I remember, you know, just kind of, you know, the, the context of just trying to get up, stand up. I don't like, when you're comfortable, you don't want to get up. And there's very few things that make you actually get up. I would spend time looking for the remote control. That would make me get up. That would make me stand up. Having to go to the bathroom be- between commercials, that would make me stand up. Not a lot of things that make me stand up though when I'm sitting on the couch, right? They say three reasons that make you stand up is to get the remote, go to the bathroom, or because you are the real Slim Shady. Come on. That was a joke. Stand up. Very few people stand up. Right? I was thinking about stand up, stand up. This idea, stand up, stand up. I was thinking about how, how the opposite of stand up comedy is a sitcom. I was, dad joke, sorry. I was thinking about why. My chiropractor actually started doing stand up comedy. He really cracks me up. I was thinking about this, standing up. We, we stand up, but I was thinking how in life, uh, I'm joking, but in life, uh, a lot of times it's uncomfortable to stand for long periods of time. I remember my first job was at a grocery store. I worked in a, a meat department of Winco uh, in Idaho. And I had 14, come on, deli moms, hairnets. And uh, I remember just standing. My first shift, I stood for eight hours. I'm like, man, am I at Disney World right now? It's crazy to go to Disney World. There's no chairs in Disney World. Only time you sit at Disneyland is on the rides. That's what makes the rides good. The rides actually aren't good. It's just a place to sit. I... um. You stand for a long period of time. I'll be honest, man. The, the proclivity of standing for long durations. Of t- even some of you today, you're like, man, third song in a worship. Like, Can I just sit down? It's hard to stand sometimes, especially when you get tired, fatigued. And I believe that in life, God does great things in our hearts that cause us to rise. I've seen it in my own life. I remember when I was 18 years old, I had my first encounter with God. I believe that God was somewhere out there. I just didn't believe that I could know him in a personal way. It wasn't until I was 18 years old, I was in a summer camp, like the ones that you should send your kids to this week. Shameless plug. My dad forced me to go. I didn't want to go. My dad didn't have the money to send me to summer camp. Someone actually sponsored me to go. There was a painter in the church to make a lot of money, but he said, Chuck, I know your son, Mark. He's supposed to go to camp. I'll pay for him if he'll go. And I think to this day, his name is Kevin Bingham, that Kevin, I believe, is going to, in heaven, be rewarded for the investment he made in me, an 18-year-old punk kid from Southern California, to go to a summer camp and have an encounter with God. I'm in the summer camp, and I just saw these kids singing. That's back when the songs in church weren't good. Can we be honest? They had, like, hand motions to them. I'm like, I'm a grown man. I'm 18 years old. I don't want to do, like, hand motions. You came from heaven to earth. From the earth. Who did that? 18 years old? Like, these people are, this is a cult. The stupidest thing I've ever seen. And I remember I just said, these people are crazy. I wrote them off. But I said, God, if you're real, show me. Yeah. Something that night, something that that night, God, when he came to me, something got up inside of me. Faith in God rose up inside of me. And I believe that 18 is when my faith got up. But I've had to stand since that point. 
this this uh, this month it'll be 20 year or yeah 20 years since I've been following Jesus full time, and um, I'll be honest or, or maybe it's 19 years. I'm not a mathematician. I just love the Lord. <laughs> it's close enough. I uh, I'll tell you this though. I think that there's power in standing. I believe there's seasons of life that you have to stand. If you're going to see revival in your family, if you're going to see God revive your marriage. You're going to see God get a hold of your children, turn things around in your business. There are certain moments of your life that you have to make up your mind and say, God, I'm going to stand. I'm not, not standing by yourself, for yourself. You're standing with God, and you're standing for God. God, I will stand in faith. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to, come on, say it with me. I'm going to, I'm going to stand. I can't, I, can't, I can't stop right now. i got to stand. The Apostle Paul saw a revival on an island. The entire, come on, the entire whole of Gilligan's Island of Malta. The whole island gets revived. It's, it's a healing revival at Malta. The Bible doesn't, it, it doesn't say, but we can assume that not only did the whole island get healed, but the whole island likely got saved. I met a girl that worked at Disney World, that she was from the island of Malta. I said, oh, from the Bible, right? She goes, oh, yeah. She goes, everyone's heard about that. Yeah, that's when revival hit my island. I believe that revival, hear me now, revival happens when men and women of God, they let God raise them up, and they don't let the world push them back down. You got to learn how to stand. Say with me, stand. I believe that, that you look through history, the men and women that have changed cities, regions, the ones that we read about. No one, no one reads the obituaries about people that did not stand for God. The ones that we celebrate today are the men and women that went through different challenges, crisis, storms, situations, but they just continued stand. Paul models this. Paul is arguably the greatest apostle out of all of them. And Paul the apostle goes through a few things that he standed in. And I believe before the island broke out in Malta, which I believe that today will be a miracle Sunday, like Malta... God told me, last night I was praying, yes, God speaks to me. Mark, that's weird. No, it's weird to not hear God's voice. Let me define in this, this city that thinks that some people think that God doesn't speak anymore, that God doesn't heal anymore. That's fine. If that's the God that you believe in, that's the God that you will get. But Jesus said that my sheep know my voice. Know my what? Yeah, he's the God that speaks. What makes Jesus different than Buddha, Muhammad, or any other religious figure is we serve a God that still speaks. He got out of the grave. He's not in the dirt. He's at the right hand of the throne of the Father, praying for us, speaking. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of bold. Well, the early church was not wimpy. They weren't apologizing. Hey, I'm sorry. I feel like God told me to pray for you. I, I just feel like I'm supposed to share my faith right now. And I don't know. Maybe people will argue with my theology. They just did it. They pray. Peter said in Jesus' name, I don't have silver and gold. But what I do have, I give in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Miracles. Casting out spirits. Opening up blind eyes. Reviving dead bodies. These people were not asking for political permission. Is it okay if I, can I come in and just maybe believe God a little bit? They kicked people out of the room that didn't have faith. Hey, everyone, get, get out, get out. Get, you, you, you don't believe, get out of here. Sorry, you don't believe, get out of here. I need some people that believe God. You can stay in the room. You can stay. You believe that God can bring her back? You believe, you believe? Oh, you can stay in the room. The rest of you guys, you're going to cry like she's dead. Get out. 
If you don't think that God can do a miracle, just get out of the house. You'll meet her in a second. She'll be back in a minute. But I need people that can believe that God's going to raise this dead thing up. I don't know if you know this. They call us believers. And most people don't believe for anything except heaven. Well, he died to get me to heaven. Yeah, he did, but he died for more than heaven. He doesn't just forgive sins. He deals with sickness. He deals with mental illness. He deals with broken hearts. He did you read Luke? It says, I came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He didn't come to come on like, well, I'm just going to kind of be a good religious figure. He didn't come as a religious figurine. He came to be the Messiah that would bring mankind back to God. Too many Christians pray to God. They don't live with God. God wants to live with you. He wants you to pray with him. He wants you to entertain his presence daily. Paul went into an island and turned it upside down. Wait, you think that God can influence uh, the politicians? Yeah, Publius was a governor of the island. I thought Christianity had to stay in churches. No, it's supposed to be in the open squares. These are the men that turn the world upside down. Jesus didn't say, you'll be the light of the church. You'll be a light in the church. You'll be like a lamp in a house that's under a basket. Just shining for everybody in that basket. He says, you'll shine for everybody in the house. You'll shine for the entire city to see. I don't know if I like that. Well, I'm telling you, you don't, you don't make disciples of all nations if you're scared to share your faith publicly. How would you impact nations if you're embarrassed about God in neighborhoods? Take a little drink. I uh, was thinking about Paul's standing. Paul saw revival on Malta, like we'll see revival in Orange County for a few reasons. Number one, he made a decision that he was going to stand regardless of the storms. First thing you got to make up your mind is that, listen, it's not if storms come. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, look, when the storms come, when the wind blows, are you going to be like the guy that just lives by your feelings? Are you going to read the current events on the local newspaper? Are you just going to believe what people that don't know God are saying about God? Are you going to be like those that built their lives on the words of God? Like the wise man that built his house on the rock. And when the storms of political opposition come, and when the storms of div division and, and people that are critical and negative and people that don't believe God have evil agendas, when, when that stuff surfaces, are you going to be like those that are built on the sand? Are you going to build your life on what Jesus said? I love this story because it says that he's in a storm for many days. And it says, when everybody gave up hope, that's when the angel appeared to Paul. Sometimes God will wait in a storm until you're so hopeless that you're like, God, there's no way out. There's no way out. And I love that the angel showed up that night. And I love what the angel said to him. It's found in Acts chapter 27, verse 6 and 7. So powerful. It says that he came to, came to him at night. And the, the Lord, he said that, hey, guys, tonight this angel stood with me. Um, whom I belong to, whom I serve, the God that I serve and belong to. He said, don't be afraid, Paul, for I, I'm going I'm to bring you, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take heart, men. I love this. For I believe that God, that the God, uh, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I believe that it will be just as God told it to me. Paul didn't get freaked out in the storm because he, God told him he would show up to Caesar. 
And the only thing that gave him hope when he was in the middle of the storm was that this angel said, no, you're not going to die. You will stand in Rome before Caesar. And I believe that when you're going through storms, sometimes the best thing you have to do is tell everybody around you, we're going to keep standing. We're wrestling against not flesh and blood, principalities and powers. What do you do in those seasons? You got to stand. We're going to stand, right? Having done all to stand, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand. We will be a people that stand in the storms. I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I'm just saying very few churches stood during COVID and said, look, I don't care. We're going to stand. Governor said no meeting inside the building. We're like, no building, no problem. We're doing tents. We're going to buy some circus tents. People need Jesus. I know more people that died from suicide than from COVID. Yeah. And we got a battle that's raging in Orange County. Opioid addictions. We got people that are depressed clinically. We got people that are on sixth marriages, seventh marriages. People that have everything materially and are spiritually bankrupt. We got to keep meeting. Church is not an optional elective credit. And that's why people kept showing up like, yeah, I think we do need to be here. I talked to two people the first Sunday we came back in person, and they said if we wouldn't have met this Sunday, we would have got divorced. What is it? What's just, what's just a convenience? It's not a convenience thing. Church is not an elective credit. I go to church when nothing else is going on important. No, that's, you build your life on the rock. I got to stop. Fire on. How do you know if you're in a storm? Acts 27 says that they sailed slow. They arrived and they passed with difficulty. It was wet, destructive, and scary. You're in a storm when it feels slow. When you're going with difficulty, it feels like there is a headwind against you. It's destructive wind. It's scary wind. You are in a storm. But I would say to those that are in the storm today, come on, keep standing. Don't believe that God has brought you this far to let you drown in a storm. God has not saved you. He has not redeemed you. He's not put a fire in your heart. He's not given you a godly appetite to let you drown in the storm that you're in. You got to stand. And we stand in storms. We also got to stand when we get to the shore and it's still cold. Second thing that we got to stand is we got to stand in the cold. I've learned that, you know, unlike California, sometimes life gets cold. There's cold seasons. It's breezy. It's wet. It's chilly. Some of you today, I was praying this week for all of you guys like I do every week. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Mark, this is going to be a Sunday for those that feel spiritually cold. I'm going to warm their hearts. Some of you almost feel like when you're in your house sitting on your couch and you're like, it's just chilly. I almost can't enjoy sitting down because it's too cold. And I believe the day that God will warm your heart if you'll invite him in. He got to the island. It was cold. It says it was so cold. He had to stand up and he started finding a fire to build. You know what you do when you get cold? Listen to me. When you're cold, the greatest thing you can do is start building a fire. When you're cold and you're like, man, my marriage is cold. Man, my finances are cold. My business is cold. What do you do when things get cold? You start building. And I'll tell you right now, the devil has never attacked people. He doesn't attack people that are marching with him. He attacks, he attacks people that are, that are pushing against him. The viper wasn't threatened until the bundles got close to the fire. Oftentimes the devil doesn't attack you until you start going after God. I don't know what I'm preaching to, man, but you're like, man, I, this is the best season of my life, but I've had more attacks from the enemy. This, I've never loved the church like this. I've never loved God like this, but I have been attacked more 
since I've been going after God than I ever have in my whole life. Let me tell you why. Because the devil is not threatened by people marching with him. He bites those that are trying to get free. He bites those that are building the fire. I would tell you, man, don't ever live your lives to try to try to knock wood out of people's hands. I feel like some people make it a ministry to knock the wood out of builders' hands. Don't ever be the Christian that starts blogging about churches, blogging about ministries, policing the body of Christ. God never made you the police department of the body of Christ. Don't knock sticks out of builders' hands. Build your own fire. Come on, can I get an amen? There are some people, they find joy in knocking faith out of people's arms. You think that God can change Orange County? Get that out of your system. You think that God can heal that guy's marriage? You gotta stop praying like that. Remember there was a guy that came to our church when a lady was dying in our church of cancer. And he told me, he was mad at me afterwards. He said, you gotta stop praying for that lady to get healed. You need to get that family ready to bury that girl. Knock that stick out of my hand. I picked it back up. I said, sir, if that was my daughter, you better believe I'm gonna pray for that girl until I cannot pray for her anymore. You try to knock sticks out of my hand. I'm building a fire here. Come on, we're a church that builds fires. We're a fire building church. We're building fires of faith. And come on, come on. The gates of hell will not prevail against the fires that we're gonna build in this house. It's easy to knock sticks out of people's hands. It's difficult to build. We're a fire building church. Sorry, I'm fired up. He's talking about fire. It's getting me hot. And when you, when you build fires, I want to warn you very honestly, snakes come out when you build fires. The bigger anything gets, the more influential anything gets, the more snakes that come out. There were snakes that we didn't have when we had four people in the church than we have now with with a couple thousand people in the church. That's fine. The Holy Spirit leads people to churches to bless them, but demons sometimes lead people to churches to try to mess the church up. I've learned we don't worry about the snakes. We gotta keep building the fire. Yeah, yeah, we gotta keep building the fire. Here's what I learned. God does not promise, contrary to some of these Bible teachers, God does not promise the avoidance of snakes' presence. I wish he did. I wish he'd say, hey, if you follow me, you vote for Pedro, come on. Make your wildest dreams come true. You'll never, have a, you'll never see a snake the rest of your life. That's not the promise of God. The promise of God is that you won't not see snakes. The promise of God is that you won't even be bitten by snakes. Not only did he see the snake, he was bit. The promise of God was, was the venom wouldn't kill him. That was the promise promise was not, listen, you got to stand during snake bites. We got to remember this, that God doesn't promise to keep us from the presence of snakes or even the bites of the snakes. I'm telling you, God won't stop the snake from biting you, but he will stop the bite from killing you. Yeah. God won't stop the snake from biting you, but he will stop the snake from killing you. It's the God that we serve. I'll tell you, it's bad enough to get bit when you're by yourself on a hiking trail. Only thing worse than being bit by a snake is being bit by a snake in public. Yeah, 
public biting. Some of you businessmen, you've been bit in public. People slander you in public. It's, it's difficult to get bit privately, but it's even worse to get bit publicly. Because when you get bit publicly, then all of a sudden the crowd start having opinions. And the crowds go, oh, this guy's getting bit because he's a murderer. This guy's a murderer. And they started talking bad about this murderer, Paul. This guy must be a murderer. For though he survived the storm, he stood in the storm, and he stood in the cold, but this snake's going to take him out. We've seen snakes before take other people out that were greater than him. But I love the fact that as they kept watching him, he just kept standing there. Snake fastened to his hand. Just standing there. It says the same fire that drove the snake out. The exact flames are what killed the snake. I've learned that if you'll stick with feeding the fire long enough, the very fire that caused the attack will be the exact fire that kills the snake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I feel something today in here. We serve a God that doesn't want us to stop feeding the fire. Don't let snakes steal the joy of building fires. I'm telling you that God, God allows, God allows us sometimes to get bit in public. I know why he allows us to get bit in public because the world we live in can't see our God. The world we live in can't see our faith, but they can see it when we get bit. And when the world sees how we respond as believers when we get bit, they can see our God and they can see our faith. God allows sometimes us to be attacked to show the world around us the genuineness of our faith. Listen to me, venom only kills you if it gets into your veins. And it only kills you if it gets into your veins enough that it gets into your heart. You can't let the venom of the enemy get into your heart. I feel today so strong. The world can't understand, but it fastened severely to him. And the crowd expected, and the crowd watched him, and they watched him expecting for him to die. When's this guy falling over? When's that, when's that guy's business going to fall apart? When are they going to have to file bankruptcy? When's their marriage going to implode? When's that little girl of theirs, when's that kid of theirs going to, she, man, she, that kid's crazy. That little boy, he's crazy. He's, they're watching. They're just waiting for you. I don't know if you've ever had people expecting, counting on you. There's some people that are so twisted and so sick that they spend their time watching people, hoping for them to fail. They're just stick hitters. And I heard the Holy Spirit as I prayed this week. He said, you just keep standing when you get bit by snakes. Because when you stand, when you get bit by snakes, eventually the crowd's like, well, maybe this guy's not a murderer. Because everybody else that got bit with that snake, man, they all died. But for some reason, this guy, man, he's not just alive. He's a, man, he's, he didn't even swell up. Seems like what tried to hurt him actually seemed to bless him. powerful truth. Do you know that serum, anti-venom, is made from venom? <sighs> Wish I had more time. Serum is made from venom, which means this, that God is so big that he will use the very poison that was intended to curse you to be the very venom 
that actually blesses you. If you know anything about anti-venom is they take the venom from the snake's mouth. And by the way, that's where poison originates. It originates not from the tail of the snake. It originates from the mouth of the snake. And like snakes, human beings, venom is not in our legs and our feet, our fists. Our venom is in our mouth. Yeah. And that's why God is battling today to go, Mark, will the people of God guard their mouths? Yeah. We, we, we see that the anti-venom, it reminds me when Moses was in the wilderness, and he literally, God told him when everybody's getting attacked by snakes, it was like snakes on a plane, snakes in the desert. And literally, come on, snakes in the desert, everyone's dying, getting bit by snakes. God's wrath is kindled. And he says, God, we got to get rid of these snakes. And God says, all right, we'll get rid of it by making a snake. He says, make a snake. He's like, that's a bad idea. I don't know if you heard me. We're trying to get rid of the snakes. That's the problem. Snakes are the problem. But um, God's like, no, I want you to make a snake out of bronze. And you don't make a bronze snake. I don't know if you know this, but you can't build a bronze snake in the world of antiquity without beating on it. Everything is prophetic. So, as Jesus was lifted up, Isaiah said that he was wounded, he was beaten. It's amazing that as they saw, as they saw the snake that was beaten, that the penalty of the beaten snake actually took the sins of people that were bit by the snake. Here's what I learned. The serum is actually extracted from the venom. That God is the only one, like Joseph said, you guys meant it for evil. God turned it around for good. He's the only one that takes on what was bad. Come on, Moses took on the bad stuff in Moses' life. Come on, he was a murderer. He had all these things going against his past history. And God says, hey, you know how you have a really high level of justice? I'm going to use that curse in the beginning of your life, and that's going to be the anti-venom serum in the end of your life. You know, that kid Mark talks too much in class. He's the class clown. He's always joking around. Teacher says, that kid's got to shut up more. It's crazy how sometimes the gift of God on your life is cursed in the beginning, but it's blessed in the end because sometimes it is the bite of the enemy in the beginning that becomes the blessing of God in the end. I am convinced that we have to, in storms, keep standing. In the cold, keep standing. When you get bit, come on, keep standing. And by the way, anti-venom oftentimes was created by injecting the venom of a snake into a lamb because lambs had the ability in their blood to overcome the venom. And so when the lamb inherited the venom, they would extract the blood of the lamb that overcame the venom, and they would inject it into human beings. God is the only one, Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, that took on the poison of humanity. And we say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. Revive my heart. God, stand with me in the storm. Get me up. Get me thought out. And God, help me to keep standing when I get bit. It is the blood of the victorious lamb that causes us to rise above the bites of the snakes. And fourthly, and I close, is I believe that we have to stand not only in storms, stand in the cold, stand in snake bite seasons of life. We got to stand in faith. I would say stand in great faith. What do you mean, Mark? Well, he came into this guy's house right after he shook off the snake. And it says that he hung out with this, this leader, this governor for three days. After three days, this guy's dad was super sick. He had a severe fever. He, was, he had all these crazy symptoms, like gnarly, uh, gnarly 
Montezuma's, like just gnarly stuff. And Paul came in and laid hands on him. And this is what I believe is Paul went after what he believed to be available. People don't pray for stuff they don't believe is available. They don't. Some people don't believe for miracles. So they, don't, they don't think it's available, so they don't pray for it. Some people don't think that God can speak to you personally, so they don't, they don't go after him. And because you don't think certain things are available, you will live your life in the absence of those things. I believe that if you're going to become a part of God's revival, what do we have to do, Mark? Well, I think that what you have to do is you have to make up your mind that I'm going to stand believing that great things are available. That God can do the impossible. And when you have great faith that believes that God can heal this guy's dad, then when the neighbor finds out about it, he'll come the next day and he'll say, hey, can you pray for me too? Are you with me today? Well, he's with me too. What do you do in those moments? You, you got to have great faith. Great faith. I, uh, I was just praying this week. You know, sometimes, sometimes we, we, I think we live way below the expectation God wants us to have for other people. I think it's so important not only to pray, come on, pray for the lost, but even pray sometimes just for, pray for people that are wounded, that are hurting. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those that hurt you. I think it's so important, guys, that we have to remember this. So, so key in our lives. Wrap this up. Is we have to stand in great faith that what he's done in history, he can do again. The book of Acts was not written to tease us. Peter did miracles. Paul saw miracles. Silas saw miracles. Everybody saw miracles. But now we're reading a book, just a history book. Bible is not just a history book. It wasn't written just to tell us what God has done. It was written to tell us what he can still do. Well, I've never seen that before. Well, I'm telling you, you get what you believe for. You don't pursue things that you don't think is available. So come on, can we be a church that believes that God can still heal sick people? God can still soften a hard heart. God can still chase down a prodigal son. Can we be that church? Who wants to go to that church? Church people that stand. Would you stand to your feet with me today? God, we just thank you for your sweet presence. I don't know why, I just felt so burdened this week. I felt so burdened by um, just the idea that some of you are in a storm right now. And I just believe the Lord's like, hey, will you keep standing on my word? I'm going to get you through the storm. This too shall pass. God works all things together for good. I saw some of you guys are in a storm right now with your, your children. Kids are going through a difficult season. Come on, we're going to stand with you. We're going to believe God with you that God's going to get a hold of your kids. Some of you are in a storm right now. You're like, Mark, it's so crazy right now at work. So much drama going on in my business. Uh, we're, we're, I just got a, new, I got a new promotion. I got a new position. I got, I got a new boss. And it's just, it's stressful. I'm in a storm. Come on, would you just do me a favor? We're going to stand. Some of you feel really cold in your spiritual walk with God. I just feel like I'm distant. I feel like I'm drifting. Why does God let us get cold so we're hungry for the heat? He lets us get cold so we go, we start building the fire. If you're here today and you say, Mark, man, I would love it if God would help me in the storm. He would thaw me out in the cold. Would you do me a favor today? Would you just raise your hand and say, Mark, I'm going through a storm. I feel like there's a storm in a part of my life. Maybe you're here and you're like, Mark, I feel like there's a, I, I just, my heart is cold towards God. Would you just raise your hand today? If you're here and you say, Mark, I feel like I got bit by a snake. I feel like I'm in a season, I'm, the snake's dangling from my hand. What do I do? Keep standing. Or maybe you're here and you're like, Mark, I, I love God, but I've never really had great faith. 
would you pray that God would give me a greater faith? Come on, God can increase everything. God can increase our faith. Disciples said, Lord, help our unbelief. Come on, help, help us believe you for more. Come on, all over the tents today, if you're online even, come on, if you want God to come on today, meet you in your storm, in the cold, in the snake attack, or even today in the, in the place that you're, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. Yeah, lift your hands towards heaven. God, I just pray today that you would come, Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, that your love would meet people where they are. We ask today for those that are in a storm that you would just cause it to be peace and be still. Let them not lose their faith in the storm. I pray for those that have lost confidence in you in the storm. People that started believing the lie. Come on, the devil is a liar. God can do anything. God can get you out of the addiction. God can get you out of the dark place. God can get you out of where you've been. Come on, God can do anything. Today, Lord, we honor you in the storm. We're going to stand. Haven't done all, we're going to stand. We're going to be a church that stands. Sometimes palm trees, all they got to do is just keep standing. Lord, today I pray that, Lord, even right now, there be a spirit of just great faith fills this house. Close like this. I just, God was so specific last night. He said there was people that were going to be here or watching online that had brain damage. Might have been caused by a stroke or head trauma. Uh, even tumors, cysts. And um, he said that he was going to heal that damage today. I believe that God is in the business of healing minds. If he can heal broken hearts, he can heal minds. If you're here today, you need a healing in your body physically. Maybe you have a broken heart today. Maybe you're in a broken relationship today. I don't know what it is, what storm you're in. But if you would be hungry enough to say, God, if you would heal me today, I would love that. Would you meet me in my physical storm? Would you meet me today in my spiritual storm? Or would you meet me today, God, even wherever I'm at, just even my heart? Do me a favor, if you need healing in your body, would you just lift your hands today? We're a church that believes every week. And I do believe someone's cyst is going to get healed today. Someone's tumor is going to get healed today. Yeah. I even pray for cancer to be healed. Brain cancer be healed today. If you need healing in your body, just lift your hands as we close. We're going to do two things we'll be done. Hands up all over the tents. Do me a favor. Someone next to you has their hand. Just go ahead and put your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hand on your shoulder. We're a church that believes in God's power to heal. We don't worship miracles, but we do worship the miracle worker. We worship the miracle worker. And today, do me a favor, hands stretched out all over the place. Let's pray this prayer. Say, in Jesus' name, we ask you, Lord. We agree with you, Lord, that you want to and that you can right now heal their body. If it's mental, if it's physical, if it's spiritual, Holy Spirit, we pray from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet that anything that's not healthy, it's got to go. I pray any disorders, any darkness, any disease, anything preventing growth, I pray that it would go now in Jesus' name. Quickly and quietly would you heal. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that he's a healer, give him a hand clap all over these tents. Body go. I know we get you guys out of here. One last thing we're going to do on our very first Sunday, probably the greatest thing we do every week is to give people the opportunity to get right with God that have not been living with or for Jesus.
if you're here today and you say, Mark, I'll be honest, I, I walked away from God. I've been in a storm. I kind of disconnected from God. My heart is cold towards God. Or maybe you've never known Jesus. Someone drug you here today. And you're like, I've never been to a place like this that I feel, I feel like you've been talking to me personally the whole time. I'm not, listen, God's talking to every person personally. I'm just throwing this out there and God just does with it whatever he wants to do. But I believe that God is speaking to you today. If you want to get right with Jesus or for the first time give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, even online. You can write H-E-A-R-T if you want to do this. In just a moment, there's many. There were seven people online last week. And there was many more in the tents. But if you're here, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm going to have you raise your hand. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, that's where it begins. doesn't end there. That's the beginning of following Jesus. All over the tents today, online, right heart on the count of three. In the tents right now, do me a favor. If you say, Mark, I'm going to close my eyes. And I want to get right with God or for the first time put my faith in Jesus. On the count of three, we'll be out of here. I pray, one, God, right now, give him the courage to not miss this moment. Two, Holy Spirit, let the wind of your love fill their hearts. Right now, all over the tents. Would you raise your high? That's me. Three, God, I want to invite you in. I want to invite you back in. Thank you. Thank you. Real high. Real high. Thank you. I see many hands. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Four, five. Five hands. Real high. Real high. I see five. Anybody else? A little harder to see these tents. So good. Hey, do me a favor today with those five people, at least five. Do me a favor. Let's pray with them today, Oceans. Say, Jesus, I ask you to meet me today right where I am. Would you get me out of the storms? Would you warm my heart? Would you shake off the snakes? And would you fill me with great faith? I want to be your follower. I want to be your disciple. And I want to live with you and for you from this day forward. Jesus Christ, be my Lord in Jesus' name. Would you have got a 10-second hand clap real fast? Grab a seat. One sec, one sec, one sec. Um, you can grab a seat. Uh, Ethan and Ken's are going to dismiss us today. I want to say, can I just say one thing? I don't normally do this after a message, but my dad made me go to summer camp when I was 16. If he didn't make me go to that camp, I would not be here today. Um, I know you love football camp. I know you love water polo camp. I know you love volleyball camp. I know Orange County, they love their camps. I'm asking you, parents, even if your kids are like, I don't know if I want to go. I don't know anybody. They will know everybody by the end of the camp. I didn't want to go. I, I, I kicked and screamed the day of. By the end of the camp, I'm like, I want to come back to this camp every single year. If you are between the ages of 13, 12, 13, I think it is, and 18, 19, I would love it if you would sign up today. If you want to help us parents, scholarship, like Kevin, he paid for my camp. We have a tab on our, our Oceans uh, Church website that says camp scholarships. If you can't afford to send your kids to camp, single moms, or maybe you're in a tough season financially, we will help get your kids to camp. We want every kid that wants to go to camp to go. Something, is there anybody that went to camp and had your life changed? Raise your hand. There is something about a camp that is different than Sunday church. And I'm telling you, you can, you can send your kids to volleyball camp and have great athletes, or you can send your kids to church camp and have some great Christian kids. Send your kids to camp. Grandkids, neighborhood kids. I have my nieces and nephews flying in from Idaho. Uh, my nieces. And so do what you have to do. Get your kids to camp. Where's the signups for camp today at? It's 
It's at the tent over here. Okay. That was a long spill, but yeah, come on up. Uh, Kins, love you guys. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.